Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Judgment Call Podcast. And as always, this is Miles Wilson. If you are tuning in, I really do appreciate you, each and every one of you. I really do. Uh, I don't really have much for today, but I did want to get some pre-combine talk out since the combine process does start on Sunday. This is probably going to be really quick. Knowing me, I, I do like to talk a lot. So it might end up going from 10 to 15 minutes to... 15 to 30 minutes. It, it depends. I really don't see it going that far, but it's just a small topic I want to talk about because I do love this time of year. This season is over. The Super Bowl is over. Playoffs are over, all that. But this part of the season, the off season, this is where teams go from middle of the pack or even bad to contenders. Off season moves and thorough scouting good drafting turns you into the Chiefs, turns you to the, the 49ers, turns you to the Saints, turns you to the Titans, the Texans, even the Seahawks. Like, it turns you into better teams. Like The Seahawks were not good before they got Russell Wilson, but they went thorough scouting and they got a quarterback like Russell Wilson that they're around. Same for the 49ers. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. They did their scouting. They were well. Honestly, they didn't have to do much scouting since they Nick Bosa just fell into their laps. Everybody knew Kyler Kyler Murray was going number one, but the rest of the D line is also first round pick, so they had to do their research through the years to get to where they are. And then the same applies to the Saints. They had to get Marshawn Lattimore a couple years ago, and then their franchise right tackle Ryan Ramchick. They got two years ago, later in the first round, you have to do your research. Drafting really matters. Like, this is why I'll never understand why people give up so many draft picks. Like, when the Bears gave up all those draft picks for Khalil Mack, and now they have Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback, they didn't do their homework. I don't know what they saw on the tape for Mitchell Trubisky. One, I don't know why you draft a quarterback out of a basketball school. But two, they didn't do their homework. I understand the haul you got for a talent like Khalil Mack. Like, I, I can understand the move. I can see where you come from. I personally wouldn't give up four first-round picks for him, but I see where you're coming from. But now you understand how important drafting is. Now the Bears need a quarterback, and they don't have the ability to go get a guy that is better than Mitchell Trubisky, honestly, because the talent that you're going to get, I think the Bears' first pick is in the third round. It won't be a starting caliber quarterback. And even then, if you're getting a quarterback talent that late in the draft, unless he's the kind of prospect that Russell Wilson was coming out of Wisconsin, he's going to need to sit for probably a year. Even a guy like Garter Minshew, who was really good coming out of Washington State. He was really good. He had a beautiful deep ball. He was probably the, had the best deep ball in the entire class. He had to sit for the majority of the year. He was extremely NFL ready because he was extremely poised. He didn't take too many chances. He held onto the ball. But he still needed to sit for most of the year, but he was thrown into the fire when Nick Foles got injured in the very first game. But that's a different kind of quarterback. And what the Jags did is they did their homework. They found a guy that's like, hey, even if he has to start a couple of games this season, what he won't do is lose us the game. He might not go out there and win us a game, but he won't lose us the game. And I went on this tangent just because I really want the Bears to get a quarterback and be good because I really do think it's a Super Bowl, Super Bowl contending roster. But I digress. The draft is definitely important. And this is where I come in. I am going to be doing multiple draft profiles. This combine talk is mostly going to be talking about prospects and how good they can be, how much, how important the combine is to some prospects and how worthless it is to other prospects. This is going to be very important for a lot of NFL GMs. A lot of people who are actually involved in the draft, draft process and the workouts start next 
Thursday, I believe, next Wednesday or Thursday. But the pre the pre pre workout process starts on Sunday, and this is kind of important. It's not as important as the workouts, but you don't want to go out there and not test well. You don't want to interview well when you're talking to different teams. So day one, as per usual, is tight ends, quarterbacks, wide receivers. Day two is punters, kickers, special teams, offensive linemen, and running backs. Day three is linemen, defensive linemen and linebackers. And then day four is the DBs as normal. And I have a lot of film to watch. Like, this is like an incredible amount of film to watch because usually, like, just any given year, like, even before I had my podcast, I'd sit down with my dad and we'd watch the combine as much as we could because when I was younger, I obviously had to go and go to school and the combine would be out all day. But whenever I'd come home, I'd watch with my dad, we'd chill. Or sometimes I'd just watch quarterback film on my own because I like watching quarterbacks more than any other position. I like breaking down their film more than anything. So that's kind of all the film I would watch. Now I'm watching film on wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, linebackers. I haven't watched much offensive lineman film. I'm not going to watch any kicker film at all. It's either going to go in there or it isn't. And plus college kickers, if you've watched a college game at all, I'm not watching that. They're not great. Then, of course, I've been watching a lot of defensive backs, too. So I'm watching a lot of film, and I have a lot of film, especially when I'm going to get these uh, draft profiles out. There's a lot to break down, and I'm going through and watching every single snap that they've taken. For If you have multiple years of film, I'm going to watch your probably your biggest games from a year or two ago, and I'm going to watch all your snaps from this year and see how you've improved. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. But for now, what I have seen, I have enough to talk about this subject right now. And I'm going to talk about the players with the most to gain from the combine. So first, we have every single wide receiver, no exceptions. And you know what? I'm even going to throw cornerbacks in there. Every single cornerback not named Jeffrey Okuda and every single wide receiver, regardless of name. And this is because, I get it, Jerry, Judy, and C.D. Lamb have separated themselves from the pack. They are joined by the hip no matter where they go. They are 1A and 1B in this draft class. But a lot of people kind of consider Judy to be the number one receiver in this class. Like Even in the preseason, people were saying, oh, Jerry Judy is so good. He could be the number one pick in this draft. This is such a generational talent at wide receiver. He's such a good route runner, yada, yada, yada. Yes, he is. Why does he? Why can he not go out there and stick it up? Because his one draft concern are dropped balls. He can't go out there in the wide receiver drills and drop pretty much any balls because then people are going to be like, oh, well, drops are truly a concern. And they're not like he has bad hands. He has good hands. Jerry Judy has very good hands. The problem is concentration. He's not dropping the ball because his hands are bad and or anything like that. He just he'll think he has the ball. And he'll just turn his head too quickly because he is so good after the catch. He's preparing for the move he's, tr- he's about to make to try and get into the end zone. Jerry Judy is very good hands. I'm not really worried about that, but he can't afford to go out to the combine and drop a lot of balls. And then as for CeeDee Lamb, we know CeeDee Lamb is a hell of a route runner. We know CeeDee Lamb is excellent at tracking the ball. We know CeeDee Lamb has fantastic hands. Once it touches it, they are glue. We know he has incredible body control. So why should CeeDee Lamb, why, why do I say he has the most to gain? Because if CeeDee Lamb goes to the combine and runs anywhere in the four fours or anywhere in the four anything, or maybe even four five flat, 
his draft stock for a lot of teams is going to go probably above Jerry Judy. A lot of teams are going to be like teams like the Cardinals that probably need to draft a lineman will look at CeeDee Lamb and be like, hey, man, uh, we we might just be better off giving Kyler Murray a weapon that we know will be around to replace Larry Fitzgerald when he retires or a team like the Jets. Then instead of drafting a lineman, they'll be like, hey, we, we might want to move on from Robbie Anderson, but there's a guy right here in CD Lamb that we can just go ahead and take because we know that whoever our quarterback is for the future, we will have him an automatic wide receiver one, the same for the Raiders. Like, who knows? Like, if he goes out here and runs a 4-4, I think people are going to say that he's the best wide receiver in this draft. For me, I don't think so. I still, I'll get into it later, but Jerry Judy is one of the most polished route runners I've ever seen coming out of college. But as far as cornerbacks go, this is kind of self-explanatory, and I'm surprised a lot of people aren't talking about this more. Every single cornerback besides Jeffrey Okuda has something to prove. Like, this is point-blank period. They just do. There's Besides Jeffrey Okuda, there is no DB2 or cornerback 2 in this draft. There's Jeffrey Okuda, consensus cornerback 1, going to be a top-five pick, barring a whole bunch of teams trading up for quarterbacks. And then after that, it's just a bunch of guys. A lot of people like C.J. Henderson, but then in other mocks, I've seen C.J. Henderson as CB6. And then a lot of people like... Christian Fulton, Jeff Gladney, Damon Arnett, Trevon Diggs out of Alabama. I don't know why people aren't talking about him as much as any other anybody else. I really like his tape. And then Cameron Dantzler, AJ Terrell out of Clemson. But every everybody else has something to prove. The CB two, three, four, all that is wide open. So every single cornerback has something to prove. And then going back to the wide receivers, a good forty yard dash puts a lot of guys in day one or day two contention. And a big part of that is because Tyreek Hill has opened the door for these kind of guys, these speedy, short, shifty, dynamic guys that you could put in a lot of different places. You can have them return kicks. You can slide them in a slot. You can kick them outside. You can do a lot of stuff with these guys who are running four threes, four fours, and they're short and they can make plays and they hold on to the ball. So guys like Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rager, and Jawan Jennings out of Tennessee, KJ Hill, KJ Hamler, all of these guys, if they go out, run sub four fours or even four four flats at their side, a four four flat wouldn't be good for a guy like KJ Hamler or Henry Ruggs. If they go out there and they run anywhere in the four threes or barely just maybe a four three nine, if any of these guys go out there and run like that, their their draft pro their draft stock is going to go all the way up. Especially a guy like Henry Ruggs, people are falling in love with Henry Ruggs for right reasons. He has great hands, great speed, and it translates into his route running. So I understand where you're going with that one. But other guys like Jalen Rager, Jalen Rager, KJ Hamler, KJ Hill, Juwan Jennings, all those kind of guys, they have something to prove to the combine, and they could definitely turn into day two guys, and maybe even someone could sneak into the first round. I don't know. It's possible though. But the wide receiver depth in this class is so deep that I'd highly doubt anyone other than Henry Ruggs, possibly KJ Hamler, depending on how much teams like him and his, his size, his frame. But definitely Henry Ruggs was somebody be, that I would be watching out for. But speaking of the wide receiver depth in this class, there is so much talent in this draft that I don't know if people can even separate themselves unless you go out there and show us something that we didn't know you could do. So for the guys that I'll be watching personally that could possibly separate themselves that aren't the speed speedy guys are Donovan Peoples-Jones, Tyler Johnson, 
Jalen Rager, even though he is a speedy guy, you he has drop concerns. I want to see how good he is in the wide receiver drills where he actually has to catch the ball. And then another guy is LaVisca Chenault. LaVisca Chenault is not a wide receiver at all. As a route runner, he is extremely raw. As a player, honestly, he is extremely raw. But he is a freak of nature. He is an absolutely amazing athlete. He would be put in the same category as Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky, the wide receiver turned quarterback because of injuries. And it's literally just get the ball in his hands and he will make something happen. It's not like he has bad hands either. He can catch. He's just not a good route runner. He's not a wide receiver. If anything, send him on a go route and see what he can do because he's fast. He's quick, has good hands. I don't know if a team is going to try and turn him into a running back or what. I'd honestly love to see a team put him into that Taysom Hill role, not as far as throwing the ball, but doing everything else, moving him all over the offense. And even if he was on a team like the Saints, they could have him and Drew Brees on the field at the same time doing whatever. You could have Kamara and LaVisca Chenault in the backfield run a 20 personnel and then just call it a day and run your offense like that. So many possibilities to do with him. I want to see how he's going to perform in the combine. I don't know if he's going to perform with the running backs as well, or if he's just going to be performing as a wide receiver. I don't know if he just wants to be a wide receiver and he doesn't want to try anything else, but it's going to be really, really, really something that I'm going to watch for. And we'll see how everybody separates themselves because going into the year, he was one of the top three wide receivers and people were mar- marking him as a first round talent. But now that people see that he's not a true wide receiver, he's just a really athletic, dynamic guy. I want to see how much the combine affects his draft stock. It's going to be really interesting to watch. And then also players who have a lot to gain are guys that either have competition concerns, they don't like who they played, or they had a lack of production while in college. So the first name that comes to mind for me are K.J. Hill and Donovan Peoples-Jones. While K.J. Hill has had a season where he had 10 touchdowns, I think it was this season. I don't believe it was last season. I think he had like six touchdowns last season. But this past season, K.J. Hill had about 10 touchdowns, but he only had around 600 yards. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones, he was in college for three years, I believe, and he only hit, just hit 1,000 yards this season. He's never had a 1,000-yard receiving season. I believe he's only had maybe 600 yards, his career high. So the production isn't there, but you have to see why he got invited to the combine. You have to see why people are talking about him as a day-two talent. The talent is there for guys like this, but the production might not be there. And then guys like Curtis Weaver, where the production is there, but then you turn on the tape and you see, well, he's not playing the most competitive teams. He's not playing elite talent day in and day out. He's not paying the best tackles. And then even his size and the way he plays, and he kind of sometimes rushes standing up. He doesn't have an incredible arsenal of moves. The combine is going to be huge for guys like him. Uh, also, a guy like Thaddeus Moss, where he's a tight end, and most tight ends don't have incredible production, but he also only has a year of starting, I believe, and so who knows? And then the same for my favorite prospect in this draft, Charlie T. I'm going to call him Charlie T because he's Hawaiian, and his last name is hard to pronounce. I will learn how to pronounce it by the time the combine is over, but I believe it is pronounced Charlie Tamapeo. That is the best I'm going to do. I believe it's pronounced Charlie Tomapeo, but he doesn't mind going by Charlie T from everything I've researched about him. So I'm going to call him Charlie T until I get comfortable pronouncing his last name. And then also guys out of small schools like him because he's out of Portland State. And then also a guy that people are falling in love with because of how athletic he is as a safety, Kyle Duggar. I don't even know how to pronounce his school's name. That's how out of touch that school is. But I think it's out of 
Lenora Rhine, I believe is how you pronounce it. But guys like them where you don't know if their production from those small schools is going to translate to the NFL level. You just got to watch out for that. All these guys have a lot to bring to the table in terms of talent, but you have to see how they perform in their interviews, how they perform in the film room, and how they perform in their workouts. It's going to be huge for them. And then also, linemen and DBs. I went over the DBs, but the linemen, there's, there, a lot of people are going to want to watch linemen. They, this is just a fact. There's always going to be a need for linemen and third and fourth DVs for nickel sets. There's always going to be a need for them. And so people are going to reach. Like in the first round, I would not be surprised if at least five offensive tackles go. And then maybe an interior O-lineman like Cesar Ruiz. But guys like Nick Harris out of Washington are going to be watched. Guys like Tyler Beatus out of uh, Wisconsin are going to be watched. I, people are going to want to grab linemen early and they're going to go often. At least in my estimation, I do believe so. And then I'm going to switch to the players that have the most to lose, guys that are going to go into the combine. And if they don't perform well or they don't perform like people expect, then, hey, they might fall like dramatically. And I'm going to start with every quarterback not named Joe Burrow. Yes, including Tua Tagovailoa, but it's not a shock. We all know it's not because of talent at all it is not because of talent it's the injuries like we all know how the injuries coming along I don't have a problem with the injury right now from everything that I'm hearing that his family is saying that his people are saying he's coming along fine I have no choice to believe that his doctors are saying they're coming along fine we get word if they said anything otherwise I have no problem with that right now but guys like Jordan Love Justin Herbert Anthony Gordon Jake Fromm Jalen Hurts, Jacob Eason, they all have something to prove. I think most of these guys are going to perform well at the Combine because a lot of their problems don't have to involve accuracy, and they're not going to have to go through reads. They're not going to have to read a defense there. Most of these guys are going to have to prove something in the Combine process while they're breaking down film or going through interviews or getting interviewed by coaches and GMs and stuff like that because that's where a lot of these guys fail. So guys like Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, Aaron Gordon – all of them can sometimes struggle with locking in the reads. So when they're breaking down film or talking to the coaches and the coaches ask them questions or what they did or put their film on tape where they threw a bad pick or made a bad read and threw it in their completion, they're going to have to explain why they did certain things and what was going through their heads when they did those certain things. So I think that's what will be huge for quarterbacks like that. Everybody not named Joe Burrow, the injury concerns for two attack of Iloa and then everything else. That'll be that for them. But as far as the on-field, the workouts, I don't really think that'll be too huge for guys like that. But uh, for cornerbacks and DBs, all, they also have a lot to lose. While they have the most to gain and they can prove that they are good and that they should be considered the cornerback two in this draft, they have plenty to lose. Because after Jeffrey Okuda, there's no cons- consensus cornerback two. It's the same for safeties too, all the, all the defensive backs. And a lot of that is because a lot of corners left a bad taste in people's mouths to end this season off. And this is especially apparent for um, the national championship game where Christian Fulton out of LSU and A.J. Terrell out of Clemson were both considered to be day one guys, at worst, early day two guys, second rounders. 
But then after that championship game where we watched them get exposed, A.J. Terrell was – he could not guard Justin Jefferson to save his life. Like, if it depended on it and we said, hey, we need you to knock the ball out of his hands. We need you to sh- shut him down for one play. It would not happen. He couldn't do it. He was getting exposed. Christian Fulton was constantly getting beat off the line by uh, T. Higgins. Uh, there was that one play where he got stiff-armed into the dirt by T. Higgins. Both of them got exposed. And both it caused both of them to fall down people's big boards as far as cornerbacks go. So they left that bad taste in people's mouths. And then there's a lot of guys in this draft that have inconsistencies in their game where they need to work on stuff, especially a guy like Darnay Holmes out of UCLA who's extremely athletic. But he is probably the rawest cornerback prospect in this entire draft. And then there's also guys like CJ Henderson, who's always there. He has a really good man corner. He really has a really good match and mirror game. But he would constantly get beat. He'd always be there at the point, but he would get beat at the point of the catch. So there's guys like him and, oof, man, a lot of these guys have hard names to pronounce. And the guy out of Auburn, Noah Igbinohine. I've pronounced it plenty of times, but I cannot say it fast. I always have to stop, read it, and then say it slowly because I don't, I don't like butchering people's names. So I've had a person butcher my name once. My name is Miles Wilson. It is the easiest name in the world. I've had someone pronounce my name Miles. It hurt my feelings, so I try not to mispronounce anybody else's name. So Noah Igbehine, I believe, is how you pronounce his name. All these guys have questions that need to be answered. And if they go out and perform the footwork drills in the combine and they still look bad, they still look raw, they still look inconsistent, then that could definitely cause their draft stock to plummet. And now that I'm got done with the guys that have the most to lose... I'm going to start with my favorite or state my favorite prospects coming in to the draft process and coming out of the season. So I can't wait to see this one person. It's going to be my most favorite and underrated. And I can't wait to see this one person that I, I mentioned. Him. Probably never heard of the guy out of Portland State, a tight end. Charlie T. People have never heard of this. Never. Never heard of this guy, and it's for good reason. Uh, you don't. I don't even know if Portland State football comes on TV. Like, I honestly don't. How did I hear about him? I just saw his Twitter one day. I'm going to be completely honest with you. And if I ever see somebody on Twitter, I, I, it was honestly from the uh, from the not the Pro Bowl. It was from the Senior Bowl. Someone retweeted onto my timeline that he got an invite. I was like, well, who is this guy? Because I'm going to be watching the game anyway. I was like, all right, well. Who is this guy out of Portland State that made the Senior Bowl? So I looked him up, looked up his film, looked up his tape. I cannot wait to see him in the combine because his tape is so limited, but it is so good. Like, he looks fast. He is lined up everywhere on the offense, in line, detached receiver, as an H-back, everywhere you can put a tight end. He is strong as hell, hard to bring down. He's a willing blocker. He's not a fantastic blocker. He doesn't get moved out of plays, but he also doesn't. He's no George Kittle. He won't move guys out of the play, but he's a willing blocker. He has fantastic hands. When I tell you I cannot find a single drop on his tape, and this is from a, I think it's a D2 college, I think Portland State is. I can't find a drop on his tape, and I'm talking about balls that are not good coming his way. They're high. They're low. They're way out of the way. I cannot find a single drop on his tape. He has sure hands. He has fluid movements. 
He is a raw route, a raw route runner. His hips are kind of tight, but he's fantastic. He's really good. He does everything else that you need. He's, I can't, I cannot see how people are missing on this guy. I think the combine is going to be huge for him. I think it is going to put his name on the map. Even though he was in the senior bowl, he didn't really play much. He also didn't get any targets, I believe. Like this dude is an absolute tank. And the craziest thing about him and about how he plays is a lot of times he'll take off because he know his quarterback isn't good enough. He'll take off a play because his quarterback isn't good enough and he'll run the route full speed. But then once he sees that his quarterback is locking into a read and isn't even looking to his side of the field, he'll just kind of stand around, make sure the guy can't get around him and doesn't run after the ball, but he won't do anything else. But when he knows there's a possibility that he can get the ball, he kicks it into another gear. Like in the red zone, I've never seen a guy fight so hard to try and get the ball or get open so bad. Like he's running full speed and then don't let him get the ball when he's in that mode because he will run anybody over. They were playing this D2 school and another D2 school and he would get the ball and he would just run through people. He ran through three tackles and he still didn't even get tackled. He had to get pushed out of bounds by a guy. And I understand like the level of competition he's facing isn't fantastic, but he's also played a D1 school before. He's played Oregon. And believe it or not, he went off. He had five receptions, 125 yards, and two touchdowns against Oregon, a ranked Oregon team in 2018. And not only this was actually the second rank, the second D1 school they played that's this same season. And guess what? The first game they played Nevada. The first game of the season they played Nevada. They got beat 72 to 19. And this kid had three receptions for 130 yards and two touchdowns. He's a beast. He's even though the level of the competition he plays on a daily basis isn't fantastic, this kid on his own is fantastic. He gets open in space, and when he's in space, he makes people miss. He's hard to bring down, and he reminds me a lot of Jordan Reed. He like If you have the time, go watch Charlie Taumapeo out of Portland State. Turn on his film, watch him, and then go watch Jordan Reed out of Florida, and then compare their games. You're going to you're going to sit there and be like, oh, they do play a lot alike. Except Charlie T is so much tougher, so much harder to bring down. I cannot wait for him to be in the NFL. I hope he goes to a great team. I hope a team realizes his talent and decides to pick him up. And then number two on my favorite prospects in the draft process right now, it is Jerry Judy. I've I've seen a lot of good receivers. Uh, growing up, I've I've been fortunate enough to be in an era where Games are just on TV all the time. I've seen a lot of good receivers. A.J. Green, love that Georgia team that had Matthew Stafford throwing A.J. Green. Then Julio Jones was fantastic. Justin Blackman and Dez in 2011 for the Oklahoma State team. Uh, that same year, that 2011 Clemson team had so much talent on it. I don't know how they were a 10-win team, but they had DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins, Adam Humphreys. Their, their wide receiving core was ridiculous. And out of all those receivers I've seen, Jerry Judy is the best route runner I have ever seen coming out of college. And it's crazy because this is his floor. His floor is a guy that can create separation with his feet. His footwork 
is ridiculous. I've never seen a guy that can create that much space and beat guys off. You will not press him off the line. You won't. And not only that, he's fast and he doesn't ever let out of that gear. He has one gear and he never leaves it no matter what route he's running. I get it. He has some drop issues. They're solvable because they're not bad hands. They're just concentration drops. He's ready to catch the ball and make a move. But dear Lord, good luck trying to press him off the line. He's going to beat you. Good luck trying to catch him in open space. His rack ability is ridiculous. Good luck trying to match his foot speed because you won't. I can't. There's literally no time I've ever watched Jerry Jude, even in games where he hasn't gotten the ball a lot. Like, I don't think he got the ball a lot in that LSU game. But if you just watched him run routes, he's breaking people off and you can't even touch him. Once he gets off the line, he's gone. He's going to break you off. It's a done deal. There's nothing you can do about it. It is fantastic. He is a pleasure to watch. I can't, I'm just going to watch him in the combine just to look at his foot speed. I don't know how many foot speed drills they have, but I know his three cone time is going to be ridiculous. He is incredibly agile. His foot speed is ridiculous. His ability to create separation with his routes are great. I, I get his only two complaints are that he has concentration drops and he's not the biggest guy ever. You can gain weight in the NFL and I think I don't believe his drops will be a problem at the next level. I think he'll understand that you're just catch the ball and then make your move. You'll be okay. But he's a fantastic prospect to watch. I really love Jerry Judy. Uh, and then number three is a running back out of Vanderbilt, Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, he is definitely the best one cut back in the draft. Is he the best running back in the draft? No, he's probably the fourth or fifth best running back in this class. But he is definitely the best one cutback in this draft. I have never seen a player that reminds me so much of another player. I see so much Jordan Love, not Jordan Love, Jordan Howard in his game. The running back out of Indiana from 2015. I Literally, I see so much in his game. But Keyshawn Vaughn is better than Jordan Howard. He's not a twitchy back. He is not going to make a guy miss with his agility, but he's going to make one cut and then you will not catch him. He has legit track speed. And this isn't even hyperbole. He was literally a track runner in high school and he was a good track runner in high school. And I know that for a fact because I watched him run track. He's from where I live. He's from Nashville, Tennessee. I actually went to high school with a bunch of his friends and we had to play football over there. So all my friends that played football in my high school, we didn't have a football team. So we had to play at Pearl. So everybody played football over there. He was Mr. Football in Tennessee. He's fantastic. He's a great running back and he's also a track star. So he has legit track speed. Even though he is a bowling ball kind of built guy, he's short. He's 5'10". He's about 205 pounds. Not the biggest guy, but he's fast. He has great vision. He's decisive. He's a hard runner, has breakaway speed. He's better, he's way better out of the backfield than Jordan Howard was coming out of Indiana. He has good hands. They've lined him up on the outside before in certain sets, but I wouldn't, he's no Alvin Kamara. Don't get me wrong. He's no Alvin Kamara, but he has good hands. He can catch. And the one factor about him that separates him from literally everybody else, you will not take him down with one person. It is not an option. 
if you send one person at him, I don't care who it is, he will not tackle him. This You need about two or three people to send after Keyshawn Vaughn before he goes down. That is why he reminds me so much of Jordan Howard, because Jordan Howard, I will never forget this game. They were playing Michigan in 2015. The game went to like eight overtimes, and it was because you know, they just kept giving Jordan Howard the ball, and he would just run through people. No matter, like you could send everybody in the box. And at one point, Michigan was putting just everybody in the box. And who cared? Jordan Howard didn't. He was taking eight people, eight people with him for that ride every time. And it was just like, well, what can you do about it? You honestly cannot do anything about it. But that is probably my favorite quality about him because it's almost like run after track. Run after contact is his middle name. It's it's awesome. He's an awesome player to watch. And he definitely is in my top five of players I want to watch. And then number four, uh, this at one point in time, this was my favorite prospect to watch before I found out about Charlie T. And then my list just kind of, these aren't even in order. But at one, at one point in time, this was my favorite player to watch. And his name is Amik Robertson a defensive back out of Louisiana Tech. And I really love how physical of a defensive back he is because he's 5'9". He's short. He is the exact same height of Tyron Matthew. And ironically, he plays just like Tyron Matthew. And if you look him up, his highlight tapes are all say Tyron Matthew 2.0, the Honey Badger reincarnated, stuff like that. And I definitely see why. It is ridiculous how much he looks like him but he's a corner he plays corner for Louisiana Tech he is their left side cornerback and I think at the next level he'll probably project better as a safety he hasn't played much zone like they do play zone at Louisiana Tech but they definitely use him as a press man corner and he's damn good at it like he's tough like he may be 5'9 a buck 85 but he plays like he's a 6-2 corner. He plays like he's Richard Sherman. He wants to get in your chest. He wants to go at you all game for four quarters of football. And he does. He will let you know all game for four quarters of football that he's here. He's not going anywhere. He is absolutely fantastic. Like, And it's crazy because a lot of people may say that, uh, oh, he plays for Louisiana Tech. He hasn't really played anybody. They played Texas earlier this season. And he is their cornerback one. Texas's wide receiver one is Colin Johnson, a six foot six contested catch receiver. Huge, way bigger than Amik Robertson. Amik Robertson shut him down. And if you go look at the tape, he is being physical with him. Colin Johnson is a big physical dude. He'll get after you. And if you're not as tough as him, he'll he'll bully you. Amik Robertson was going at him all game. He had, I only think he had two pass deflections in that game. He had the two plays fixing were great. One of them should have been a pick, and he also should have had two more picks in that game. He's fantastic. This kid is really good. I hope he goes to a team that'll utilize him in a way where he's just not on an island. I don't know how that'll project to the next level, but he replaces his size with physicality. He's a really feisty corner, and he has incredible instincts. A lot of guys are really good at man coverage. But they struggle at getting the ball. Like C.J. Henderson out of Florida, he has he plays good man coverage, but his ball instincts aren't great. Amik Robertson has incredible ball instincts. He had 16 pass deflections 
this past year. Not only that, every single year he's played in college, he has had at least eight pass deflections. And the past two years, he has had double-digit pass deflections, and he's had at least four interceptions every single year of his collegiate career. And he likes to hit, too. He's not a great tackler. He is a liability in the run game. You will see that in his tape. But he likes to hit. He's not afraid to hit at all. Given his size, he will come down and lay the wood on you. Like, he doesn't care. He throws his body on the line all the time. And he is honestly one of the more interesting players in this draft. And it, maybe it's because no one's talking about him. Maybe it's just because I like guys who put their heart on the line every time they go out and play football. But he's fantastic to watch. Like, I, a lot of teams may be hesitant on him because of his size. But... He definitely makes up for it in so many different ways, especially with his talent. And it's like, I don't know. I just really hope he goes to a team that utilizes him and they just don't send him to the practice squad. He's going to make a difference for a team one day. At least I hope he does. I really do because his game is fantastic to watch. And that's it. I'll give you a name of a couple of other guys that I'm really looking forward to watch. Uh, Cesar Ruiz, I've been high on him ever since... Well, I am a Michigan fan, so this may sound like a homerish pick, but I am not a homer. I do not like Shea Patterson. I do not think he's a good quarterback. I think Michigan is terrible at producing running backs. I I am an, a really objective person. So when I see somebody on Michigan that I know is good, I'm skeptical at first because I want to remove any bias. I want to remove any subjectivity from what I'm saying, and I, I, I definitely try and do that. So... When I find somebody on Michigan's team that I know is good, I I watch all the film. Whenever I'm watching them play, I do my my best to look at them objectively and say, oh, okay, this kid is just good. That's how I felt about Devin Bush. You could just watch him and say, oh, he's good. That's how I felt about David Long last year, the cornerback. Um, and he ended up going in the third round to the Rams. He didn't really get an incredible amount of playing time. He played a lot in the slot. But in the combine, Deion Sanders was really impressed with how good his footwork was, good his footwork and technique was in the in the combine last year. So I have I really like Cesar Ruiz. I've been liking him since before the draft process. A lot of people were saying he was a fifth rounder. Now people are finally getting to his tape. And people are saying that, oh, he could definitely go in the first round. There is a need for interior offensive linemen that are really good. He's jumped a lot of people as far as interior offensive linemen, like Nick Harris. He was the consensus number one interior offensive lineman. Now Cesar Ruiz is getting serious consideration for it. Another guy that really caught my eye after the senior bowl was Anthony Gordon. And Anthony Gordon, a lot of people are saying is a fifth-round quarterback. In my estimation, he is probably the fourth best quarterback in this entire draft. He's better than Jordan Love. He is better than Jalen Hurts. He's better than Jake Fromm. He's better than Jacob Eason. Actually, I can't say he's better than Jacob Eason. I have not watched all of Jacob Eason's film. I've watched a lot of it. I have not watched all of it, so I cannot come to the conclusion. But from what I've seen, I do believe him to be better than Jacob Eason. I think he is the fourth best quarterback in this draft. All the hype that Jordan Love is getting and the people are mocking him early first round, that is the hype that Anthony Gordon deserves to be getting. None of them after Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and Tua Tagovailoa are first-round quarterbacks, in my opinion. But if I were to take another quarterback after those three, it would be Anthony Gordon. 
he has a lot to work on. His footwork isn't great. He doesn't always go through his progressions. He's not good against pressure. But Anthony Gordon has some incredible tools. So not like Jordan Love in the sense where he's just all physically gifted and they'll work on the mental part later. No, Anthony Gordon is physically gifted. He's mobile. And when he does make good decisions, he is a totally different quarterback. So Anthony Gordon will sometimes lock into his first read, second read. He won't force it. He's not he's not like Jordan Love. If Jordan Love's lock Jordan Love will lock into a read, he'll stare at him and then he'll still throw it once he sees his cover. If Jordan if Anthony Gordon sees his first read and it's covered, he'll move on to his second read, but he won't do much after that. After that, he'll just kind of stand in the pocket and try and direct traffic and wait for somebody to get open. He won't go through all his reads. He'll take too long to make decisions. But He'll have flashes, he'll have occasions where he'll go through his reads really quickly, find the open guy, and deliver an absolute beautiful ball. He's done it multiple times this season. He just hasn't done it consistently at all. When he gets a quarterback coach in the NFL and they get with him and they work all that out, they smooth out everything that's wrong with his game right now, he is going to be a problem. This this kid has a really quick release. He throws a tight spiral, has a great arm. He is arguably the probably the second or third best deep ball thrower in the game. Number one is easily to attack by Loa. To attack by Loa has an absolute beauty of a deep ball. You can argue that he is right there with Joe Burrow. Like his deep ball is beautiful. He makes some throws that you really go, hmm. That literally no one could get that but the wide receiver. I don't know how he puts it on such a dime a lot of times. A lot of his interceptions are not his fault. He had 16 interceptions this season. I went through the tape, looked for every interception myself. Six of them were not his fault. Two of them, he was under pressure and got hit while he was throwing. And then the other six were his fault. And a lot of them were him trying to throw on the run, but they were kind of because he has really bad mechanics. He does not get his hips around when he tries to throw on the run. Get him with a quarterback coach. Please, somebody get him with a quarterback coach. I hope he goes to a team like later in the draft, probably like the third round, that really sees his talent and knows that he needs to sit for a couple of years. He's the guy. He is, I don't, I'm not on the train that he'll be the next Patrick Mahomes or anything like that. But I think he is the guy people should be talking about over a guy like Jordan Love or Jake Fromm or Jalen Hurts. I think he is that guy. I don't think he is a generational talent or anything like that, but I do believe that he is a very good football player. And then a couple of others. I'm going to go as in-depth on any of those guys. It's just I really like Anthony Gordon. He's a, he's a good quarterback. But Trevon Diggs out of Alabama is a really good quarterback, good size, good strength at corner. Uh, I think and a lot of people forget that he had an interception against Joe Burrow. They got called back because of, I think it was a too many men on the field penalty, but he absolutely baited Joe Burrow to the interception. He He's a really good, I think a team will end up taking him on day two above other corners. I think a, a, other teams are a lot higher on him than they are. The guys like CJ Henderson, Jeff Gladney, guys like that. And then T Higgins, I really, after the national championship game, I really like what T Higgins has as a guy who's more than just a jump ball receiver. His footwork is pretty good. Getting off the line, he's pretty good. He's not incredibly fast or anything like that, but he is a 
big body receiver. He has some great, great tracking. He's really good at beating press coverage for his size. I, I think he's about six four, six three. He, he looks pretty big on tape. So I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's about six four, at least two fifteen. He's really big, but I just he's good. He's really good. His footwork. To be, he uses his footwork more than his hands to beat press. He probably should start using his hands more for his size. But he's it works. Everything he does works. He hasn't run a full route tree yet, but his route running is good. He has incredible rack ability. Everybody saw that in the national championship game. He has really good hands. Drops aren't a problem for him. So I really, I really like him. And then let's see if I can think of anybody else for you. Oh, Justin Jefferson out of LSU after what he did to the abuse that he committed to AJ Terrell in the national championship game. I'm sure he's rising up everybody's boards. I'm sure a lot of people love him. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in this class to me. Uh, don't talk to me about J.K. Dobbins or DeAndre Swift, honestly. DeAndre Swift is good, but I don't believe he's a better running back prospect than Jonathan Taylor. Clyde edwards Hilaire is up there, too. He's a pretty underrated shout-out, Clyde edwards Hilaire. And then I'm trying to give you I'm trying to give you guys people that a lot of people aren't talking about, but it is really hard to not mention Isaiah Simmons name. I he's going to be very good for a very long time in the NFL. Uh, barring any injury, I always hope no one ever gets injuries in, injuries suck. But Isaiah Simmons is such a hybrid guy. Like I hope he does not go to a team that only wants to use him as a linebacker. I hope they just put him everywhere. Like put him at free safety, put him at strong safety, put him at interior linebacker, send him off the edge. Please do a lot with him. Like don't just say, "Hey, you're going to be our middle linebacker of the future. Congratulations." He is going to his growth is going to be severely stunted if you just do that. And I really hope he wouldn't even play for a team that would only use him like that. I just hope he says, "No, you're going to use me in X XYZ kind of ways." Like he's fantastic. But this got way longer than I thought it would be. I thought I, I told you guys I really like to talk, but I do appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, I'm gonna end it right here. Next time you hear from me, it'll probably be either talking about boxing because the Anthony Gordon, not the Anthony Gordon, the the boxing match, the Wilder versus Fury boxing match is about to come on in probably like 15 minutes. So I'll probably put this out right after the fight. That way, no one forgets about the podcast enjoy the fight but yeah i really appreciate each and every one of you again this is miles wilson with the judgment call podcast i'll see you guys when i see you guys thank you for your time share the podcast peace out